Welcome to the podcast of CBC Radio's Dispatches for January 28th, 2010. I'm Rick McInnes-Ray. Well, the Russian state may be attempting to protect the public from the scourge of alcohol, but some say Russian companies need protection from the state. It's all because of the practice of raiding, where police and others in a state institution use their power to strip a company's assets. Sergei Magnitsky tried to fight them. Now he's dead. Magnitsky was a corporate lawyer for Hermitage Capital Management. Its founder and CEO is William Browder, and he joins me from London, England. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Who killed your lawyer? Well, that's a pretty pretty simple question. The, um, the Russian Interior Ministry and the Russian Prison Service were the people who uh, arrested him, stuck him in pretrial detention, denied him medical attention after many, many requests for medical attention, and then he died. And so the people who stuck him in jail and the people who kept him in jail are the ones responsible for his death. All right, well, take me back to the beginning of that exercise. What was it he was doing for you that would have put him in any risk anyway? Sergei Magnitsky was was a um, a young 36-year-old tax lawyer in Moscow, and he was probably the best lawyer that worked for us out there. And back in 2007, our offices were raided by the Moscow Interior Ministry, the police. And after they raided the office, they took away all of our corporate seals and stamps, the, the, the things you need to prove that you're the owner of a corporation. And then following that, the um, companies, the investment companies that we owned, were f- uh, stolen from us um, and re-registered. And we ended up, um, when we learned about all this, we ended up contacting Sergei Magnitsky because he was such a smart guy. And he helped us unravel the whole fraud, who was responsible and ultimately what it led to, which was that our companies were stolen ultimately for the people who stole the companies to then steal $230 million of taxes that we had paid a year and a half earlier from the Russian government. Sergei figured out the whole thing and did something that that very few Russians would be brave enough to do, which was he testified against the police officers who were involved in the raid of our offices and taking away the documents which were then used for this fraud. And a month after he testified against those officers, three subordinates of one of the officers came to his house and arrested him and stuck him in pretrial detention. And what was that like for him? What kind of conditions did he have to put up with? Well, what they were hoping to do was to put him in really bad conditions to get him to withdraw his testimony about them and then to basically plead guilty to whatever crimes they decided to conjure up for him. Uh So, for example they would stick him in a four-person cell with eight inmates, and so they'd have to sleep in shifts, and they kept the lights on the whole time. Um, Or alternatively, they would move him from cell to cell to cell so that whenever he became at all acclimatized, he would then go to another cell. After about six months of this, he started to develop stomach problems. He developed pancreatitis and gallstones. And they said that basically he would need an operation. It wasn't a serious operation, but it would prevent a serious problem from erupting. This was back in July of last year. About a week before he was supposed to be um, uh, going to the doctor, they moved him then to a prison called Butyrka, which is the worst prison in Russia, a maximum security prison, and a place where they have no medical facilities at all. At Butyrka, he developed very, very painful and excruciating stomach pains which they refused to treat. And he spent a great deal of time 
applying for medical assistance and they spent a great deal of time rejecting it. And their hope was to basically medically blackmail him into whatever confessions or retractions of testimony they could get out of him. He never does roll over on you. He never does quit fighting the system. He keeps on filing briefs, keeps on trying to get somebody to, to admit to what's going on, which is, in effect, state rating. What, what's this guy made of? It's interesting the way in which different people, what you discover the strength of different people. I, I don't think anybody would know how they would be able to operate under such extreme conditions, and we had no prediction as to what the strength of, of Sergei Magnitsky was. But what he proved to be was a, a man of in, intense integrity. He, for him, um, being truthful um, was more important than anything. And I don't think that he could have lived with himself having uh, succumbed to whatever pressure they were putting under him. Um, he was just such a man of, of his own truth and, and integrity that, that ultimately he died for it. These raids where state officials can go into a business and take everything that would have effectively allow them to masquerade as the business, how common are these? Well, the, the, much more common than most people know. It's one of these things that probably has happened 50,000 times in Russia to enormous businesses and to small businesses. 50,000? 50,000. 50, Apparently, three out of four businesses are shaken down in some, one way or another in Russia um, through the involvement of these law enforcement officers who are actually um, mafia extorters. And um, the only thing unusual about our case is that it's gotten so much public attention and, and publicity and, and the details of our case are so well known. For every Sergei Magnitsky that people have heard about, there's thousands of others who are rotting in jail, being denied medical attention, and having their businesses taken over by corrupt officials. You're talking about a concrete link between organized crime and state officials to, to bring this off. Um, I, I would describe it even more than a concrete link. I would say that there are, are a number of state officials who are organized criminals. This is what they do for a living. They, they're not in the business of of enacting and, and executing government um, priorities. They're in the business of extorting money from business people. From time to time, you see arrests. And what's what's interesting is that it's, it's, it's not something that anyone even thinks is unusual because it happens so often in Russia. But it, it's it's the plague that makes it almost impossible to run a on-the-ground business in Russia right now. Now, you well know you've got critics. Some would suggest you let your lawyer be a pawn in your own game. Your campaign for improving corporate governance led your enemies to make your lawyer their legal hostage. Some say you were either naive if you missed it or cynical if you didn't. How do you respond? Well, the thing is that, that um, uh, we didn't expect them to um, do what they did. But more importantly, um, in, in the summer of, of 2008, um, it became clear that all of our lawyers were targets. And I went to every single lawyer and I said, let's get you out of the country. And we had seven lawyers from four different law firms who were working for us, and six of them agreed to go. The one lawyer who didn't agree to go was Sergei Magnitsky. He believed that he had done nothing wrong, and the law would protect him if he was innocent. And I do regret not pushing him harder to leave. I regret it every day of my life. But it certainly wasn't for a lack of, of trying or for naivete, because we tried getting everyone out, and we got six out of seven out, and they're safe in London. But you know, forevermore, I'll, I'll be thinking about what I could have done or what I should have said that would have pushed Sergei to leave.
So you think Sergei overestimated the, the, the sense of, of, well, state of justice in, uh, in, uh, in present-day Russia? Well, I think that Sergei was an idealist. He's the kind of person that Russia needs more of, somebody who said, uh, said to himself, these are the laws, um, I'm a patriot, I'm, I'm reporting a crime against the Russian citizens, I should be protected. But there have been some consequences, right? There's some fallout. Some state officials have been fired, but, but what else? What have authorities done since his death? Well, it's very interesting. They've punished a number of prison officials by taking their jobs away. They've changed a number of laws to say that you can't put people in pretrial detention on tax crimes. Um, they've changed laws to say that, that if, um, if there is a tax issue and it gets resolved with the tax authorities, you can't arrest people. And so there's been a lot of structural changes to the system as a result of Sergei Magnitsky. But none of these are in any way comparable to what happened to him. I mean, what they haven't done and what we're waiting and watching very closely is to see whether the people who Sergei testified against, the ones who stole the money and the ones who arrested him, whether those guys get punished, because that's where the, the real crime lies. I take it so far there's been no outright admission of fault by the state, saying, yes, our people did this, it was wrong, they shouldn't have, we're sorry. Well, there's been some, some quasi-admissions of fault. The, the um, no? head of the prison service said, um, we can't um, avoid our responsibility for what we did here. But so far there hasn't been any detailed admissions of fault and there haven't been any prosecutions, and, and that's what we have to have in order for justice to be done for Sergei. So in terms of whether anything's really changed? Well, things, things, things have changed for sure in the sense that a week after he died, the president of the country has ordered um, a full-scale investigation, and we haven't seen the results of that investigation yet. So the people who did it could, have co could cover it up, or maybe there's going to be some real consequences. And, and the interesting thing about this whole situation is that it's bigger than anybody involved. What, what happened to Sergei Magnitsky touched even the most thick-skinned, unemotional people in Russia to, to see a, a man 37 years old in the prime of his life, in the prime of his career, basically get plucked off of the street, stuck in jail, and tortured to death. And you? You remain banned from Russia, yeah? Are you pretty much done doing business there for as long as the current administration's around? Well, I, this has left such a terrible taste in my mouth. I'm not doing any business there, and I would encourage other people who um, are thinking about doing business there to think twice. It's not a question of just potentially losing money. It's a, a question of losing the lives of people who work for you or even yourself. So you'd caution uh, global, uh, global corporations, beware Russia or just think about it? Well, I would say that, that uh, most people who are considering Russia should think again because Russia with this type of criminality is not a place that that has any is that, that no civilized person would have any ability to uh, handicap the risks of of how this whole thing could go wrong and we had no idea that things could go so horribly wrong and i th i would say that we were reasonably um well versed on what what all the risks were but the average a Canadian or American or European business uh, group that's thinking about doing business in Russia are, probably have no idea how, how ridiculously criminalized the whole thing is and how horribly wrong things can go, as they did with Sergei Magnitsky. Do you think you can still do business in a, under a Putin regime while Mr. Putin's in a position of authority? Well, it's not even, I don't think he's in a position of authority. I think that, that the, um, the inmates have taken over the asylum. I think that, that there are you know, many... Uh, clans and groups and of, of these uh, law enforcement officers that are basically running 
mafia extortion rackets that are completely out of control. Well, it's a startling story, Mr. Browder. I thank you for telling me about it. Well, thank you for listening. William Browder is the founder and CEO of Hermitage Capital Management. He is in London, England. And I'm Rick McInnes-Ray in Canada. And if any of our stories remind you of one of your own, email it to dispatches at cbc.ca. I'll see about reading it on the program.